Tony Campolo here, inviting you to join me and Shane Claiborne, uh, the author of one of the most popular books in the Christian world today, The Irresistible Revolution. Uh, he's here every week at this time with me, and uh, we uh, promote Red Letter Christianity. Uh, tell us about Red Letter Christianity before we go any further. Yeah, well, we, we've, um, we track it back to actually a, uh, a DJ in my home state of Tennessee that was interviewing our friend Jim Wallace, and the guy didn't seem to have a whole lot to do with Christianity, but he was talking to Jim and he said, you know, I've read the Bible and there's parts of it that I love. There's other parts of it that I, I find uh, really confusing, even troubling. He said, but I've always liked the stuff in red. And he was referring to the old Bibles that have the words of Jesus in red. And he said, uh, you seem to like the stuff in red. You should call yourselves red letter Christians. And that language kind of stuck par- partly for us because, um, we realize how unlike Christ much of our Christianity has become and how we've often uh, uh, become known more for the things we're against than what we're for. We're not always known by love. And so the best, the, the best corrective for what's gone wrong is the practice of something better. So we are all about trying to uh, reimagine a Christ-like Christianity. We think Jesus deserves a better Christianity than a lot of us have experienced. And so uh, by the grace of God, we're getting there. we got a powerful movement happening here in the U.S. and all over the U.K. now. We went to, what, like eight different cities over in the U.K. Yeah, in one week. Going international. But we're really at the heart of it. Believe that the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about almost every time he opened his mouth was not just something we hope for when we die, but something we're to bring on earth while we live. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth. And uh, it's all about the kingdom of God uh, on earth. And the kingdom of God has to be translated into being a, a society that is run the way God wants it run, populated with people who have been personally transformed by the indwelling presence of Christ in their lives. The kingdom of God, transformed people living in a transformed world. Hated yeah. to interrupt, but go on. Yeah, and so one of the things that it seems impossible to ignore is the crisis of the creation right now. And you and I have both, we care deeply about the earth. We have the audacity to believe that the God that created the world and pronounced it good yeah. <laughs> cares about how we treat it. And you wrote a book that has really um, had, is, is just as relevant today as it was when you wrote it. It's how to save the earth without worshiping nature. Tell, uh, tell us a little bit. I well, remember when I had that for like homework in class, but it was incredible. Yeah. It was, you know, when I first really connected uh, environmental care to my faith. You know, because in the book, what I endeavor to do is to point out that being concerned about the environment should be a key issue for Christians. Uh, Jesus uh, calls us to follow him and to do what the Bible says. And the Bible does say to save the earth. The eighth chapter of Romans, you read it, uh, starting at the 24th verse, that we are called to what? To rescue all of creation, which is groaning and is suffering even until now. I could give you passage after passage, and the book is filled with passages of Scripture 
to validate a biblical case for mm. being environmentalist. It even says it's groaning in the in the pains of childbirth. Yeah. And I, I heard someone once say, like, we are to be the midwives of a new world, a better oh. world. So that, and, and Jesus yeah. said, I have come, here's a great phrase for environmentalists, to make all things new again. Mm. Oh, all things new. When God created the world, it was beautiful. And we've messed it up. And he sent his son into the world to create a people through whom he could make the world new again. That's our calling as Christians. Um, so uh, I wrote this book, and I wrote this book with that title because when the book was being written, the environmentalist movement had been uh, kidnapped by the New Age movement. So the minute you said you were interested in the environment, uh, they said, oh, you're, in, you're a New Ager. You're into the New Age movement. And I had to say, no, no, no. Uh, I can give you Bible verses all over the place uh, that will validate that we are called to save the earth. And we had a motto, if you love creation, you'll lo- you ought to love the creator. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the big theme. And so the book is there. Tell them how they can get the book. Yeah, well, the great thing is, I think one of the best things we're doing with the Red Letter Movement is just creating a hub for people to find resources and and people. And one of those things is a bookstore. So you can go to redletterchristians.org and uh, there's a virtual bookstore there that includes Tony's book and this book in particular, How to Save the Earth Without Worshiping Nature. Um, We don't fulfill the orders right now, but you can access them all over the place and and see how you can get them. So you can uh, go to Red Letter Christians and check out our bookstore. that We just just started that. Do the people at your offices... Do they send out books? Well, we've got uh, most of those orders are fulfilled online, but we have a bookstore at the Simple Way too, so folks can uh, link up to that. Okay. And we actually do fulfill the orders. So I just don't know if we have your book. Probably uh, we need. I'll take some home today, you, and then we will. <laughs> yeah, you better do that. Uh, well, we don't have many left. There, there's 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 a shortage of those books now. Uh, it, it should be noted that environmentalism is of crucial significance right now. Why now? I'll tell you why now because it wasn't too long ago that there was a major hurricane that ripped through the Caribbean and uh, destroyed, literally destroyed, the Bahamas. Uh, The Bahamas is a nation. I guess you know that. Mm. It's an independent nation. It's been leveled. And uh, they don't know how many people are dead because they haven't uh, moved away most of the debris. But every time they start moving some of the collapsed buildings, they find dead bodies underneath. Uh, this uh, death rate could go into the thousands. This hurricane blew through. There is little question that the storms are becoming more extreme, uh, that the uh, weather conditions are becoming uh, more dangerous, and uh, people are beginning to realize that we have somehow uh, destroyed the environment Climate change, says the president of the United States, is a hoax. It's not a hoax. It's for real. 98.9% of all scientists in this field say that climate change is something that is real. And unless we deal with it in the next 10 years, we're going to make life impossible for our children and certainly for our grandchildren. I mean, this is emergency. We've got just a few years to act, say these scientists. 
to save the earth. Mm. And so my book is important for that reason and that reason alone. Losing a hundred species a day, the scientists say, you know, that we've lost. I mean, I I just saw this video of the divers looking at the coral reef and showing how uh, the coral reefs are dying and then, you know, how that represents so much of the rest of the the ecosystems. And so as we, we, we look at that, um, it's, it, 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 it's sometimes you hear Christians saying, well, you know, Jesus is going to come before the, the world, uh, you know, dies. And so, you know, we don't need to worry about that. We're just, you know, getting people to heaven. And that's, that's part of the problem. I mean, it's part of the theology that we think, uh, uh, contributes to the kind of, uh, uh, absolute numbness to what what yeah, we're doing I, and how we consume and you've heard and i've heard christian leaders say well jesus is coming back any day now so why do we have to go through all the sacrifices that are necessary to why change? would i use a metal straw yeah yeah <laughs> you know you know why what's going on here i mean all these uh, attempts to cut back on plastics to change our lifestyle in order to save the environment when jesus is coming back any day now well you know i don't want to sound cynical but uh, the church has been saying that for 2,000 years. And uh, there's guys on television here in the United States. You can see them any given night, uh, any given Sunday. And they rant and rage about uh, the fact that uh, uh, they know when Jesus is coming back. And they use passages of Scripture. I'm sure on this station they've had speakers who have said, here are the signs of the times, evidence that Jesus is about to return. Whenever they ask me, when is Jesus going to return? Do you think he's going to return any moment now? My answer is maybe. Nobody knows. Not because I said nobody knows. Mm. But Jesus said nobody knows. And when they asked him, uh, Jesus, uh, when are you going to return to set up your kingdom here on earth? He said, I don't know. The angels don't know. This is in the hands of the heavenly father. Mm. I always jokingly say, Jesus said, I don't know, and the angels don't know. You're going to have to ask an American evangelist for the answer to that question. Because these guys on television seem to know these things. Yeah. I always thought it's ironic that they sell their books when they're predicting the end of the world. You know, why wouldn't you just give it away if the world's getting ready to end? But, yeah. you know, the the creation care piece of this, it's it's all through the Scripture. I mean, it begins in the the Garden of Eden, but it ends in Revelation. The The end of the Bible has this incredible vision of the of the world being renewed the new jerusalem the city brought to life the river of life the tree of life all of this creation care that flourishes and if we believe that's where the story ends and where this is all headed then it affects the way that you live in the world if you think the whole world's just going to burn up then you know you 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 live yeah, you, yeah, it, affects, yeah. it affects the way you live right it sure does uh, the theologians have a word for this they call it eschatology mm-hmm. isn't that a big word eschatology, which is that part of preaching and teaching in the Christian church that deals with the end of the world, end times. Uh, They say we're living in the last days. Yes, we are, but we've been living in the last days uh, since uh, 70 AD. I'm giving that date, and I'll tell you why. I can show you in Matthew where Jesus says this. What is it, he says, but that this generation will not pass away until everything that needs to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. Did you hear that? Mm. Jesus said, everything that needs to be fulfilled to predate my return 
will be fulfilled before this generation passes away. Uh, John was in that group. He was the youngest guy. And so the early church watched John because they were convinced as he got older and older, any day now, when John drops dead, Jesus is going to return. He said, this generation will not pass away until everything that needs to be fulfilled is fulfilled. The final thing he said that has to happen, if you read scripture, is he said, when you see the abomination of the desolation in the holy place where it ought not to be. You say, what's that? The, uh, uh, the, the desolation, the abomination? What are you talking about? In 70 AD, the Roman soldiers marched into Jerusalem, marched into the temple, and they sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple. You know how Jewish people feel about pigs, about ham. Can you imagine the insult that this brought to the Jewish people when the Romans slew a pig on their high and holy altar? And this was the abomination of desolation. He said, when you see this, that's the last thing that has to be fulfilled before I return. Well, that occurred in 70 AD. Everything that was necessary to be fulfilled before Christ returned was fulfilled by 70 AD. Mm. If you want to know more about this, you can write to me, Tony Campolo, Eastern University, St. David's, Pennsylvania. The postal code is 19087. Again, write to me, Tony Campolo. The postal code is 19087. Address the letter to me at uh, Eastern University, St. David's, Pennsylvania. Please do it. I'd be glad to give you all the Bible references you need to make the case. Furthermore, you can uh, get on Amazon and order a copy of my book, How to Save the Earth Without Worshiping Nature. Well, enough said on, on me and my book. I'm not trying to sell books here, and I don't mind selling books because you should know this. All the royalties for my book goes to mission work, and the, if you order the book through, uh, through the Red Letter Christians website, it goes to the support of the Red Letter Christians movement. And you contribute heavily that way to the Red Letter Christians movement. Yeah, and uh, the, the other thing, we mentioned the Bahamas after this terrible hurricane. And uh, for years, we I went down to the Bahamas every year as a part of a, a gathering called La Mesa, which it means the table. And they would gather a group of leaders down there. And for the beginning of our community, uh, the folks in the Bahamas were so supportive of us. So my friends down there, I know there's a lot of great groups working, but New Providence Community Church, NPCC in Nassau, has an entire uh, response to the hurricane. And these are Bahamian pastors that are working down there, um, leaders from all over the islands like Abaco and some of the outer islands. So uh, check out NPCC, New Providence Community Church, uh, in the Bahamas if you're looking for a way to support the people there. That's a great way to do it. Very often when you give to uh, governments in, in poor countries, the money doesn't get to where the people really are and where the need is the greatest. But give it one more time. Yeah, it's New Providence Community Church in Nassau, Bahamas, and their website is NPCC online. Um, and, and so New Providence Community Church in Nassau, incredible people. There's other, other great folks working down there, but these are folks that have been running a community-based church congregation uh, all over the Bahamas for as long as the Simple Way's been around. They helped us get started in our early days. We were kind of 
partners in all this. So, um, well, thanks for joining. Say, we, we, we might want to break, break, just, break, yeah. break, break, break. Tell them why I'm breaking. Yeah. Because. So this is, uh, we, we want to make sure you know who you're listening to. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. Uh, we get to do this every week and we we're grateful for you, uh, joining in here. Uh, we're on Premier Radio, and we're grateful for the chance to be there. This also releases as a podcast around the world, and what we're talking about is red-letter Christianity. Um, Christians who take the words of Jesus and say, what if he really meant the stuff he, he said? Uh, we're, we're committed to seeing Christianity not just as a belief system, but as a way of living. So thanks for, for joining us. Yeah, and that's really important. Uh, please note, please note, uh, somebody drew this attention to me and said, uh, look, uh, if you go to the New Testament, you'll find that it's only four places where Jesus says, believe in me. Four places where he says, believe in me. 87 places Jesus says, follow me. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people who believe all the right stuff, but are not following Jesus. And Jesus said, you're my disciples if you do whatsoever I command you. Check it out. He calls us to follow him, and uh, he called his disciples. Drop your nets and follow me. And uh, that's what this Red Letter Christian movement is about. We were talking about the environment. The thing that is shocking people these days, it's what's happening in Brazil. Brazil, as a lot of people know, uh, is often referred to as the lungs of the world. Mm. 20% of all the oxygen that we breathe is produced in the rainforest of Brazil. Let me repeat that. Mm. 20% of all the oxygen we breathe is uh, produced in the rainforest of Brazil. Having said that, we now know that the rainforest in Brazil is burning down at an incredible rate. Already, an area the size of France has been burned to the ground. I mean, you know how big Mm. France is. An area that big in the heart of the rainforest Mm. has been burned to the ground. A few years ago, I was in an airplane flying down to Argentina to speak, and as I flew over Brazil, I saw fires as far as I could see. And I wondered, I wonder if these fires are going to uh, spread. Mm. Well, they have spread. Mm. And the fires were created originally just to show how everything's linked together, to burn down the rainforest deliberately in order to create more land to graze cattle mm. so that the beef that you eat at uh, Wendy's or, uh, or at, uh, at, uh, under the golden arches of McDonald's or uh, all these hamburgers you're eating, that beef is produced in many instances on the plains of Brazil in areas which once were a rainforest has now been reduced to rubble because of these fires. The fires were set deliberately, not accidentally, mm-hmm. and they just got out of control now. Yeah, I saw a group of indigenous folks down there that were just weeping over their land, and, and you, you look at that. You know, there was another creative uh, response, too, which was to try to get Amazon to donate some of the money uh, to the Amazon they're named after. <laughs> you know, could you look at the, the corporate battle in all of this, and it certainly— uh, very apparent that this this kind of these worlds are in collision right now. The the care for the creation and the support of of uh, you know corporate capitalism. And I mean, I, I remember when I went to Standing Rock when 
at that in that moment, you know, it was about the the uh, destruction of native land, and um, one of the one of the things that they said is, uh, uh, in, in another generation, we will find that you can't eat money and you can't drink oil. Yeah, like right. once we've destroyed this earth, like we. Um, we we will understand what we've done, but that, that's why they're weeping over this land. And, you know, in, in Standing Rock, uh, the Native community did not call themselves protesters or activists. They called themselves water protectors. And that's really what they saw their calling to be. You probably don't know this because it happened before you even came on the scene with me. That's a long, long time ago. But uh, they were doing the same thing to the rainforest in Belize. I don't know whether you knew this. They were burning down the rainforest and uh, making uh, land available to grow uh, cattle to serve McDonald's and Wendy's and all these hamburger places. Well, uh, the land was basically owned by Pepsi-Cola. We went to Pepsi-Cola and said, we'd like to buy the rainforest from you. Mm. And we laid on them the responsibility of saving this rainforest. And we laid on them the bad publicity they would get if the indigenous people who were living on this land were destroyed, had their homes destroyed, their villages wiped out by these fires. And so Pepsi-Cola decided to sell us the rainforest. And they sold it at a very, very low cost. And $100, you could buy an acre. So I was going throughout the country getting people to give me $100, and we would give them uh, a certificate that said, I now own one acre of the land in, uh, in Belize. Mm. Uh, the rainforest is being saved partly because of me. And we got enough people to buy land, and we did it strategically. We knew we couldn't buy the whole place, but we bought it all over the place, so you couldn't burn down anything mm. without destroying our land and if you destroyed our land, we said we're going to take you to court. Mm-hmm. So the Pepsi-Cola backed off, and uh, the land became available to the indigenous people. So here was a movement nobody even knew about. I don't think there are any books that are writing about it today, but it's evidence of what a small group of people can do mm-hmm. if they want to stop something horrible from happening. Another story of a small group of people is that there was a war emerging between uh, uh, India and Pakistan. And uh, the shipment of military arms to India, we, America said we're neutral. We're not getting involved in this. We were sending arms in shiploads of arms to India to fight against Pakistan. And uh, so I, 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 I got a guy named uh, Taylor, John Taylor, in Philadelphia to organize a movement to stop this. Uh, they called it the Peace Armada. Hmm. The shipments of tankers were going out of the harbor of Philadelphia. Mm. So they had this peace armada. They had 15 guys with rowboats and canoes to string a rope across the harbor. And of course, they wouldn't stop a tanker from coming through. But it caused such an upset that the longshoremen that were loading these war materials on the ships said, what's going on? Who are you crazy people out there? Because the Coast Guard came and got us and picked us up and deposited us on the land. What are you doing? And we explained to them that they were putting all these arms on ships, and the United States said they were neutral, when in reality they were arming India to the teeth. Hmm. And uh, they said, these kids are right. And I was a kid at that time. 
These kids are right. We got to stop doing this. So they shut down the port. Within two days, every port in the United States that was shipping arms to India was closed down because a handful of people were blocking the, uh, blocking the Delaware and the war came to an end. Whoa. The hey, world, when, I th- when I, th- I think I've heard every story you've ever told and you bust out one like that, yeah, it's like to- total like uh, David and Goliath thing. A, I'm going to take on a warship with a kayak. There's Boom. a book out on it called Blockade. In the humorous, <laughs> a handful of people with a few canoes and rowboats stop an international war. But it actually happened. Uh, God is able to do great things through small groups of people, and that's what the story of the New Testament is all about. Mm. A handful of people uh, called disciples change the world and continue to change the world. We're out of time. we got a minute, so close this out. Yeah, so uh, let's do something to care for the earth uh, this week. Think through, um, you know, maybe even tracking some of our food and consumer choices to their original source and saying, how can I have a little lighter footprint on the earth? Reading some of these books, Tony's book that we've been talking about is um, How to Save the Earth Without Worshiping Nature. There's other great books, Wendell Berry, Ched Myers, so many others. I loved Stephen Boma Prediger's book, uh, for the beauty of the earth, really beautiful talking about the spirituality of creation care. So this is Shane Claiborne, Tony Campolo. We're out of time. Thanks for joining us. We got, we got uh, 20 seconds. This, so yeah, tell people you know, to go to the folks can website. go to our website, redletterchristians.org. <laughs> Did you get that? Redletterchristians.org. And you can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. We do all the social media. You can write Tony old school letters. He likes the snail mail. Yes. Uh, but more than anything... Let's try to live in ways that are faithful to the teachings of Jesus this Tony week. Tony Campolo, Eastern University.